0: You're listening to Eric Rogel Talks with Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes, where you'll hear real stories of the journey to modern manhood, told by the men who lived them. Raw, real, and 100% unapologetic. And now, here is your host, Eric Rogel.
1: Hey, this is Eric Rogel, and thanks for joining us on Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes, This is where each week you'll hear real stories of the journey to modern manhood told by the men who live them. And these are men just like you and me. These are men who fought for and earned their kingdoms. They weren't handed to us. And we love that, guys, right? Because we are men who faced and pushed through struggles and challenges and a lot of failures, you know, a shit ton of failures. And we came out on the other side as stronger, better men it doesn't matter whether we're famous celebrities or athletes or just everyday men. We're all walking the same path, that same journey to manhood. And it's it's our own unique flavor of that journey because it's also a path to our personal goals, our personal visions, and our, our personal dreams. And this is where our masculine excels. This is where it kicks into overdrive because it's our drive and determination that propels us in life. Knowing what we want and then going after it and doing whatever it takes, crashing through resistance, pushing boundaries, conquering fears. I mean, that's what we do best. We're about not giving up on a dream and doing whatever it takes to achieve it. Then creating a new dream when that one's been fulfilled, not just sitting back and taking our foot off the gas and coasting, not crying victim or looking for excuses when the time comes for one dream to end. We're about taking command of our life and planning the next step as one dream gives way to another. And also asking for help and guidance along the way and then paying it forward by helping other men along their path, a path that we may have been down before. Because achieving bigger and bigger and winning more and more is what we love. It's what drives us, right? And it's what drives today's guest. Joining us today is Jason Fox. Now, Jason knew from an early age he wanted to play in the NFL. That was his dream. So he worked his ass off, and he achieved that dream after being drafted by the Detroit Lions in 2010 after a stellar career at the U, the University of Miami, where he was selected All-ACC prior to the start of his senior year. In 2014, he retired from the NFL after playing one season with the Miami Dolphins. His career was cut short by injuries, but that didn't stop him. He jumped into his next career with the same drive and determination that got him to the pros. Since his retirement from football, Jason earned his MBA and he founded Earbuds. Earbuds is a music app that allows you to listen to your favorite athlete's playlist right along with them in real time as they warm up before a game. So Jason has transitioned from working with one type of team to another and employing many different types of leadership. He's also had to pivot from one dream he's had since he was a kid to another dream he's fulfilling now. So I asked him what drove him to succeed at what he did.
2: I've had two passions in life, sports and music, and I I grew up playing every sport imaginable. I played football, baseball, basketball and track in high school so I just I always got myself busy and sports was a big part of my life and football was one that I was probably the most passionate about and also the one I, I saw I was getting the most attention for when I had the opportunity to go to the University of Miami, uh, I jumped all over it because I was a big hurricane fan and I've watched those guys play for a while and when it came time to evaluate a college I wanted I looked at programs that would win and my ultimate goal, I told my dad when I was six years old, I wanted to play in the NFL. Um, and Miami was putting more guys in the pros than anywhere else. So it just seemed like a no-brainer for me.
1: Wow. So even like as a little kid, that was it what you wanted to do, man. You just knew NFL, that was the way to go.
2: Well, uh, that, that was my dream, right? And it's funny because I think most people figure out what they want to do in college. You know, they go to school and kind of you know, people say they find themselves, or they find a, a subject that they like, and they want to learn more, and it starts off their career there. Athletics is a is a different is a different field because if you're not busting your tail in high school, you're not going to get the chance to go to college, and you're not busting your tail in college, you're not going to get the chance to play. And there's a lot of uh, genetics, there's a lot of luck, and there's a lot of other things involved in that. But I think hard work probably is uh, the biggest factor and. You know, my, my parents instilled in me the value of hard work at a young age. And when I, when I set my mind to do something, I, I wanted to achieve it. And that was the NFL. Jason was
1: single-minded in his drive to make it to the NFL. Like he said, he knew since he was a kid. And to play professionally, you have to decide young and excel at every level and have unwavering commitment to that goal, which he had but I wanted to know if he had a backup plan or was he all in on turning
2: pro? I was fully bought in and I think it's important to have, you know, a backup plan. You know, as I was playing in the NFL, I was always preparing for life after football. I think uh, you need to be forward thinking in that manner. But from, from high school, I I wanted to get to go to the best program to give me a best shot to go to the NFL. And I saw that, you know, could become reality, even though that was a goal of mine, even at such a young age. When I went to Miami, you know, got the opportunity to start, you know, the first game as a freshman. And, you know, after my freshman year, I was already getting a lot of exposure around that. And I realized that the NFL was a real possibility. So I think I even locked in uh, even more after that. Talking about your playing career, you were injury free in college. Right? Until my last game ever, I, I blew out my knee in my last ever college game. So, uh, pro tip: if you're wanting to get drafted, don't don't blow out your knee right before the draft. Yeah, that would that's a good tip, man. That's like
1: keep in mind. And so, but you got you you ended up a pro anyway, even even uh, blowing your knee out in the last game. Would you just sit out your uh, the next season or?
2: No, I, I um, you know I, I fell in the draft a little bit, and that was. Uh, I think I grew a lot in that time because um, that was a really hard time of my life after um, being told I was going to be this top pick. And then when you, when you get hurt in your last ever game and uh, I mean, as much as the NFL draft is about evaluating talent and it is also, you know, as much of a meat market, why would you take one guy with a, you know, a messed up knee when there's a a guy over here that's fully healthy. So fell in the draft. um, But you know, tried not to get discouraged and, you know, got to, got to play a little bit at the end of my uh, rookie season. So it still worked out. It was just, you know, it was just a, you know, one of those challenges in life, one of those trial periods that you just have to work through. And when adversity hits, you just have to overcome it.
1: I wanted to know what was going through Jason's mind while he was rehabbing his knee and how badly the injury affected which round he was taken in. And he told me how a decision during Miami's pro day almost
2: cost him being drafted altogether. I can tell you a little bit more about my draft process. Um, sure. You know, I, 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 like I said, I, I messed up my knee. I tore my knee in my last game. The University of Miami always did their pro day really early and they moved it back to a week before the draft just for me, which I thought was a nice gesture on their end. And. I hadn't fully been running my agent told me just to jog it just say show them that you're healing and that you're healthy and i guess my competitive nature got the best of me and i i even though i hadn't been running full speed i thought i could and i on my first 40 i completely tear my hamstring off the bone because i had it hasn't been you know used in, in that capacity in such a while and so (laughs) <laughs> and so I go from, you know, at the end of the season before tearing my knee, most most mock drafts had me going in the top two rounds and that night my agent told me he didn't think I'd get drafted, which was wow, you, know, you have a messed up knee and now a torn hamstring. So it was a it was a really uh like I said, it was a really tough time in my life really just dealing with that. But I I was blessed enough to that the Lions still took me in the fourth round, which I'm extremely grateful for and when I got there, it's, you know, I had my foot in the door at that point, and I just knew I had to make the most of it, knew I had to get healthy. And when I got my shot, I just, you know, had to capture on it.
1: Yeah, I can feel that. What, what was going through your mind, like, you know, as the draft is going on? And I mean, uh, well, it's basically a two-part question. So first part is you're rehabbing, and your mindset during the rehab is, this is my dream, I'm not missing this, this is the motivation to get healthy. Is that what's going on?
2: Absolutely. Um, I post a lot of uh, motivational stuff. And I look at all that stuff, because I really do think it matters. Like, I think your diet is more than just the food and the drinks you put in your body. I think it's, you know, what you constantly remind yourself with. And I was always looking for positive, uh, positive things to help get me through help motivate me. Because I knew that once you know, before the draft, I knew I just had to get my foot in the door somewhere. Whether that was as a draft pick, whether I was at the end of the draft, or even if if somehow if I didn't get drafted, I knew I just had to make the most of it because great things in life are never easy. But you know, if you work for it, you can you can accomplish it. So I was always kind of trying to perfect my mindset, think of ways that I could gain an edge, and when I did get my opportunity, to take the most of it. Who was with you
1: during this time? Like who was helping you? You um, know, was it family, coaches, combination, faith? I mean, what was, what was getting you through?
2: Faith is a big part of it. Uh I, I'm I'm a Christian and I I don't hide that. I'm pretty uh open about that and that was um you know, I really even think God used that as a as a moment of time to really grow my faith. I think there's a lot of historic times in the Bible too where times of trial and tribulation is when your faith matures. And so I, I do definitely think that was uh, something I leaned on hard. And I, had, I have a great parents. I have a great brother that was there supporting me. And, you know, I had a great network of friends and positive people in my life that were uh, also there for me that I leaned on pretty heavily during that time. You know, I, I know for me personally as a man, it, sometimes it's tough
1: when you're down and you're relying on other people, there comes that mindset of, no, I can get through this by myself. I'm a man. I can do it. I mean, was any of that going through this? I mean, going through your mind while you're going through this is you're leaning on family and friends.
2: I'm a very just self-driven and self-motivated person. And yeah, I think that can be isolating at times though, um, when things aren't going well. Because when things are going well, it's easy to look at yourself and like, wow, look at all I have accomplished. But when things aren't going well, it's it, it it can be lonely, and that's when you do need to have a faith or have people that you can rely on in your life. And that's why I think it's so important to surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with people you you know that have traits that you aspire to be. Because um, you can't really help it; you're gonna you're a your accumulation of the the people you spend your time with and what you put into your body and the books you read, the podcasts, you listen to all the content that you're absorbing, that, that changes you. And, uh, I heard a long time ago and it's semi corny, but it says your net worth is your network. And I, I think that's very true. And so having in, in those down times, having people to rely on is I think crucial. Jason is big on always learning, always growing.
1: As a top athlete, he was trained and mentored by outstanding coaches during his career. But I wanted to know who else had an impact on his career. I asked him about finding mentors and using them effectively.
2: You know, I think that falls back on what we were just saying. Uh, We were talking about it from a, a book perspective or a podcast perspective. But I always tried to find people that did what I was trying to do successfully. And I probably got to the point where I would Annoy them and ask them, uh, you know, just 20 questions. I've, got, I've gotten really good at, at saying sorry for the, for the million questions, but I've, I'm just so curious. When I meet someone that started a business, I want to ask them everything about it. When I meet someone that, you know, has earned some type of, of success for, through his or her industry, I, I try to pick them apart and figure out how they did that and what part of their model that I could apply to myself or my business. But to answer your question, you know, in, in, in growing up, I leaned a lot on my parents. I had very supportive parents. They dropped everything to, you know, open up doors for me. They always took me to my little league games or whatever sport I was playing. They always got me the best coaching. And, and then when I got to high school, I, I relied a lot on my coaches, whether it was football, basketball, or baseball, or, and when I got to college, I would also say then then it then it starts with the the guys in the locker room as much as it is your coaches. Because when I got there, I was a freshman, but there's a lot of seniors that were playing and playing well, and I try to you know pick their brain on what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them, and it, it, that just carried on to the pros when I got drafted uh, by the Lions. There was a guy named Jeff Backus. He was the starting left tackle. He's I think he ended up playing 11 or 12 years and he was in his 10th year when i got there and any guy that can play 10 years in the nfl knows you know what works and what doesn't work and he probably thought i was attached to his hip because i asked him so many questions about his training regimen how he how he deals with injuries how what what does he put in his body like different questions on technique and in different players how does he break down film and I mean, why not do that? I mean, this guy has a wealth of knowledge through experience, and why not ask those questions?
1: Pro football careers are notoriously short, and being a man who always seemed to know what he wanted and where he was going, I was curious if Jason had a plan for life after football, or if, like many of us, he was so focused and single-minded, he didn't want to think about having to do anything else.
2: When I realized my football career was starting to, uh, I knew I wasn't going to have several years left. I started doing that learning. Okay. What now, what's my next step? What, what do I want to get into? And I started asking people in the finance industry, people in the startup community, people and like, and really dive in and just learn as much as possible. And so that was a really long answer, but I've tried to take that kind of every step, step of life. And, you know, I think most successful people know what they don't know. And if they can go learn that knowledge, then, then you know, I think that's how, that's how you're growing and maturing. You talked about the next thing, right? Knowing when it was time to go to the next
1: thing. You knew your NFL career was winding up and you went and got an MBA
2: from UM after college. What,
1: what motivated you to go back to school and get your master's?
2: It was something I always I thought of, and I didn't know if I would ever do it or not, and the stars felt they were aligning, so to speak. I went to University of Miami for undergrad, and I was back in Miami playing with the Dolphins. The NFL just announced this NBA reimbursement for tuition program they came out with, and one of the schools they were offering it at was the University of Miami, and I just thought, man, if there was ever an opportunity to go learn more and you know further my education this seems like a perfect opportunity so in the off seasons i went back and got my nba and they kind of timed out perfectly because when i was graduating is when i was wrapping up my nfl career
1: what i love here is jason owned that his football career was over something he dreamed about and been committed to since he was a kid was ending and instead of wallowing or falling into a depression he took the necessary steps to get the next phase of his life going. Deciding to start his own business, he took something he observed every day during his playing days and turned it into a successful
2: business idea. I thought of the concept for earbuds and we called it earbuds, like we're earbuds, we're ear buddies. And I thought of it watching uh, other athletes warm up. You know, in pregame, I would always be there. Um, I was about 70 pounds heavier. And you know, had a few more chins, but I would watch all these amazing athletes warm up, and they would always have their headphones on. And I thought to myself, man, of all the people in the stadium, all the people watching at home, and some of these guys, the millions of social media, followers they have, like how many people would love to be in their headphones, listening along with them, getting in that same mindset uh, before the game. And that was an idea I really could never get out of my head. And I would see guys in the locker room sharing it on their socials, guys in the weight room, guys on other sports watching LeBron and Steph and KD and everyone else with their headphones on before games. And I really saw how social media was evolving and how everything went from static posting to live sharing or Instagram stories, uh, Facebook Live, Twitch, some of these other platforms. I was like, what what would that look like to create a social platform for music? And so what earbuds is, is we partnered with Spotify and Apple music. And so instead of just listening to music, we allow you to broadcast it where other people can tune in live and listen along with you. You know, we started that about two years ago. It was a lot of me banging my head into a wall at first. And, uh, but we're starting to see the dividends of that. Yeah, uh, you know, we have some great partners, we have some great investors, and we're starting to you know, get some users and some even high profile users. Tens of thousands of people each
1: year come up with great ideas for potential businesses. And I think I had three while this interview was going on. But there are very, very few driven enough to turn them into a reality. And fewer still who make them successful. There are a ton of challenges and frustrations on the way to business success. I wanted to know what made Jason different. What made him follow through and persevere.
2: I'm the only one crazy enough to do something. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't look at myself as, you know, smarter than anyone else. I don't look at myself as more equipped to do this. I'm just the kind of the approach I've taken in my life is when I set my mind on something that I feel pretty confident that I'll, I'll figure out a way. And this is something I was passionate about earlier on. I said, I was always passionate about sports and music. I was always listening to music growing up. I was always searching for the latest and greatest. And, and I found myself constantly doing that as well. And I was so passionate about this idea when I retired that I couldn't get it out of my head. And then so I, I wanted to make it a reality. And I really looked into that to see what that would look like. And, you know, I, well, I think what scares a lot of people away is because entrepreneurship is hard. It's, uh, it's scary. It's, you don't know what the future holds it's a lot of long nights and, you know, just stressful days and weeks and months and you're crawling through so much crap for a while. (laughs) Um, uh, Glamorous as people think it is, right? Man, I've heard so many great analogies. Elon Musk said, uh, running a startup is like, chewing glass and staring into the abyss. And I think that's the best <laughs> The best analogy I've heard. Also, it's like the first year of a startup is like sliding naked down the cheese grater because it'll, it'll eat you up. If you don't have, you know, some grittiness to you and, and some perseverance, uh, it'll chew up and spit people out. And it's definitely made me, I'm wearing a hat right now. It made me lose a lot of hair and I'm gray now. So it's definitely had its it's welcome, it's, welcome it's,
1: to the club, Jason.
2: <laughs> <laughs> definitely had its toll on me as well. But I, I think the difference was is, you know, I'm extremely passionate about making this a reality and I knew I knew it'd be tough going in. I didn't know I obviously didn't see all the challenges that we faced. I don't think you can ever, but my goal wasn't to start it. My goal was to be successful at it. And, you know, we're not there yet. Um, but I think we're, I think we're getting closer every day and I feel good about the trajectory we're on. And, um, you know, that's, that's just the, the approach I've taken and so far it's, it's working out. Okay.
1: Do you, do you think your, your background in professional sports has helped you kind of, uh, you know, understand the challenges
2: kind of fight through some of the challenges I think so. I, think so. Uh, I honestly do. And, and even more from an adversity standpoint, but like we have a whole team working for us now. You learn a lot about teamwork, you know, in sports, you learn about dealing with different types of people and cultures and how people think. And you, sports teaches you so much how to handle a win, how to handle a loss, how to learn from your mistakes, how to get better, how to take coaching. Like, and I could go on and on about different things that sports teaches you. And I think the athletes that take that same type of grittiness and hustle and all the things that made them really good in their chosen sport, I think they transition to the business world really effectively or any other secondary career after that. But not all ex-athletes make it in business
1: after their careers are over. Many are notoriously bad at it. So I wanted to know what Jason took from his days in sports that can carry over into business, the ones that are helping him be more successful.
2: The biggest carryover has been is is the, the challenges and stressors and trials in sports, whether that's injuries or losses or competition or dealing with free agencies and just all like how stressful that can be you, if you learn how to cope with stress and learn how to attack it dead on and, and figure out a solution, whether you have to go, uh, sometimes you just have to force to run right through that wall. Um, which is basically what a startup is. You just have to figure it out sometimes, which it's and There's doesn't, there'll be times and there'll be days where you don't feel like there is a winning solution, but you still have to find one. And I think that, I think that carryover from sports is really, is is really helped me out a lot from a mindset perspective. Yeah, well, so which is more challenging, getting into the NFL or
1: running a startup? <laughs>
2: Man, I you know, I've been asked that question before and the joke I've said before even if people don't ask, I said, "Man, I used to think the NFL was hard because it, you know, it, it would be so stressful, and so stressful on your body. You get done with the game and you're black and blue everywhere and you can't walk and you got to be ready to do it all over again. in you know, in a week's time, but, you know, startups are a whole different type of stress. I mean, obviously football has its, you know, mental fatigue as well, but startups, it's, you know, there's a million things going on at once and why a big company works is because you can hire people to do a, a lot of different things. A startup, everybody's wearing a lot of different hats and it's uh scrambling to get things done and do it and get it done at a high level. And so, Picking one would be hard. I would honestly even give it to building a startup off the ground, I think is, is more challenging just from everything that goes into it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually, as you're saying that, what I'm feeling is you've almost gone in a startup from player to coach and you're, you're like a coach now of your startup, but you're also a player on the team. I mean, how, how do you handle that? I mean, do you, do you find yourself, motivating the team, coaching the team, getting people ready, that kind of thing?
2: That is one. That's probably the biggest part that I I underestimated about a startup is when you start it, you're just you and one other guy or two other people. And you know, you're, everyone's just kind of working together. But now when you have a team and you have employees and they're looking for you, looking at you for direction, they're looking at you for leadership. You know, you have to evolve yourself as more of, now just a contributor to now a leader and you mean you have to set out a good amount of your time is spent leading your team communicating dealing with issues that might come up and really just managing a team and that is definitely an art and a science and for me like athletes talk to each other extremely bluntly (laughs) and you know you know when you you know I, I knew not to do that in in a normal workforce, but also it also learned it was a learning process for me to figure out the right way to approach people because approaching one person over another people another person, you might have to do a totally different. You know some people deal in how you phrase that question instead of, hey, we need to get more done here, being more of a ser- servant leadership, and hey, how can I help you? What's holding you back? what are ways that we can improve this for you? And there's, there's just techniques I've learned. Um, and I think really the only really way to do it is, is to go through it a little bit, but definitely managing a team is a big part of it. To give you a new appreciation for the coaches you had when you were uh, coming up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if they ever appreciated me, but no, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was always really lucky. I, was, I had great coaches at every level. And, uh, and I was joking they they were s- extremely supportive, but also knew how to get the best out of me as well. So um, absolutely. when you see it from the from the other side, it it gives you uh, a deeper, deeper level of appreciation. Talking about coaches, you had
1: coaches all the way through in sports. but do you have a coach or a mentor now that you're in business, someone that you uh...
2: Turn two. I have a lot actually, which most of the time is really helpful. It it does it can't hurt you at times if you have two that tell you completely conflicting advice, um, which happens. But yeah, I, I mean, we have formal advisors. Uh, we have a board for our team, and you know, there's people that I lean on heavily. Uh, people that have been in my life for a long time that I really respect their opinions on and. You know, most of them are you know much older than me and have been through it before. Whether it's they've started startups or have they have been running Fortune 100 companies for a while, and when I deal with whether it's fundraising or whether it's a human resources issue or just a pivotal moment of the business on the the route to take it, having them as a sounding board is is crucial and something that I've been lucky to have a lot of them in my life. So. Like I said, I'm. I don't consider myself smarter, or, you know, tougher, or than anybody else. I just want to have those people in my life that are much smarter than me that can help me make those decisions.
1: I asked Jason if there were any specific people he turned to to guide him in business.
2: Yeah, I called Zuckerberg and Bezos and Elon Musk. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I got really impressed there for about three. Uh, no, I'm kidding. You know, I, I, I interned for a guy in college um, that runs a huge a huge uh, wealth management arm at UBS and from a finance perspective, but he's also has a lot of experience investing in startups, self-running startups. He's been really helpful. Um, the president, the senior vice president of high holdings down there in South Florida, his name's Carlos. Carlos has been a huge resource for me. And then there's several other, um, too many to name really in the in the Texas or Austin area that have started companies off the ground and sold them for, you know, nine figure exits. And, you know, they've been through where I was five or 10 years earlier. And so they've, they've been an incredible resource. I either pick up the phone and call them or do lunch or coffee with them on a pretty regular basis, just to continue to get feed- feedback from them. Yeah. See,
1: that's excellent. Cause again, it goes back to, what we talked about earlier about, you know, how we are as men or how we can be as men. I know it sounds you know stereotypical but a lot of times asking for help asking for assistance asking for all that stuff can be rough so i know that a lot of very successful men have no problem reaching out to other successful men for advice so has this just been something you've always been comfortable with
2: no it hasn't like i said i was very very independent and i think that's natural as men right like it's i think a lot of people look at that as weakness when you have to go to for someone for help, but that's actually a sign of strength. That's a sign of aptitude. It's a sign that, you know, you are willing to put your ego aside, which for sometimes for men, that's tough. And Hey, I, I need help with this. I don't know what to do. And it takes vulnerability. It takes, um, you know, a lot of things that make men uncomfortable, but I think, it gets easier the more you do it because you start seeing the, the dividends from that. I think when people lean on only their own understanding, they fall short and it could be on a lot of aspects of their life, right? But, you know, I, I think I've gotten better at it through the years and, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to work on it. What Jason says here is so
1: right. I know in my own life, there have been many times where I was too proud to ask for help because I didn't want to appear stupid or weak or wrong. It's an uncomfortable thing for so many of us, but he pushed through it and ended up excelling at it. I asked Jason where else he faced challenges or things he really didn't feel comfortable doing that now that he's in business, he has to do on a regular basis.
2: There's a lot of things. I've always been a very private person. I like what I what's going on in my life. I've kept it to myself, good or bad or indifferent. And, with your business, you share everything with investors, with your team, with everything, and which is obviously the way it should work. And and to communicate that openly, and to have always constant communication with everyone to make sure that's there. I talked about leading a team earlier. Like most people in the NFL are pretty self-driven. Uh, and our team, we have a great team, and they're they're a group of all stars, and they're driven as well. But they're also looking for direction, and so you have to be that leader you have to be that servant leader that's giving them direction that's casting the vision that's keeping everyone on the boat rowing in the same direction and that was you know a little new for me as well you know being comfortable pitching and asking people for money and there's just a lot of parts of earbuds and that i've never experienced before but you know the more you do it the more you learn it's never going to be perfect the, the first time i think what holds a lot of men back including myself, is the the fear of failure or the fear of it not going well. But you just have to take the the mindset that you're right, it's not gonna go great the first time. The first time I pitched earbuds was, you know, there was holes all in my pitch and it was not very great. And I just didn't know how to do it. And now I can I kind of have a pitch in my and I could, I could go on autopilot and my mouth just talks about it. And I've heard every question a million times and I know how to answer them and I know how to communicate it effectively, but you can't expect to be there. Just like you couldn't expect if you want to be get good at golf, you can't expect the first time you go hit a golf ball that it's going to go straight and, you know, 300 yards down the center of the fairway. Like you're, you have to work on it and all these things that I've, Have been new for me for earbuds it's it's been a work in progress but you just have to take that mindset with it
1: jason's passion for football and now for business is obvious being successful at both i wanted to know what else he's passionate about
2: outside of music and sports and our company earbuds i'm most passionate about helping kids especially you know sick or underprivileged or you know just grew up in a just different situation, um, and a less fortunate situation. My buddy started an orphanage in Haiti that I used to go every year with, uh, him on that until it, uh, some unfortunate things happened with that and it's now under a different control. But I, you know, the kids are our future, right? And whether it's through an educational standpoint or just things that they can't control breaks my heart, whether they were born with an illness or if they were born overseas are just born, you know, with just, you know, disabilities or anything. And so giving time, helping them out, showing them that they're still loved and people care about them. I don't think a lot of them are getting the attention and care and a love that they deserve. And um, if there's, if that, if there's something I can do with that, then I'd love to help that out as well. I asked him if there was a specific child who came to mind. The one that comes to mind is, and how I, how I saw, really, the work that we were doing, how it really how it mattered and made a difference. And the, speaking of the orphanage that we were going to, the first year I went, we picked up a kid in the hospital. Or Sorry, we didn't pick him up. Um, we went to go visit him. And he was the sickest kid I've ever seen in my life. And it was heartbreaking because he was probably three or four years old he had scabs all up and down his body. He had all types of you know, things. He was born with the HIV virus from his parents, and he had uh, several other conditions uh, going on with him. And, you know, the orphanage was trying to help him and some other people in the hospital. And They went to visit with him. They were supplying all of his medications that he would have otherwise not gotten. That does not come standard in, in Haiti. And they would just go and we would go when I was there and just love on these kids and help you provide them with all the attention and care and medical needs that they have. And I went back a year later and he, that kid was in the orphanage and I, I stayed down there for two weeks and the kid was happiest, healthiest guy you could have seen. And I have a picture with him uh, on my Instagram and other pictures that I have. Uh, and just being a normal kid and enjoying life and experiencing life to the fullest now, now that he can go run around and play, he looks completely healthy. His, the virus was under control from all the medication that he's received. And I was like, without this orphanage and without all the people that went into helping this, that that kid probably wouldn't be around today and there's several more people in the orphanage like that and just in that one and there's several more in Haiti and there's several more all around the world from people loving these kids and taking care of them and taking time and energy and resources out of their lives to to help others and um, after seeing that 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 really had an effect on me tell me about the effect on you I mean what does that bring up for you Well, it was honestly, I think a lot of people in the U S especially, um, in other really well-developed countries live inside a bubble and even, I mean, you might even live inside a bubble within your own city and you mean down the street might be a, a really rough area. And, uh, and honestly, I don't want to take it in a completely different direction. But like even when I went to college, I talked to a lot of teammates that grew up completely differently than I did and really had a hard time growing up just with their situation. And I think that was always magnified the more things you see. And when that when that story happened, I definitely and I, I don't want to make this about me and like look at me, I'm, you know, helping kids or whatever. That's not that's not it. But I what I would like to do is encourage people. To how how they can get involved, whether that's even their, if that's just their time, not even their money. Whether they can go, I promise you, there's some place in your city where you can donate your time and uh, go visit, you know, disabled kids or kids that are in the hospital or kids that are. There's a program through our church that you can spend time with elementary school kids and help them because, uh, well, it's helping them through their they're learning, uh, what they're learning in school and whether it's, uh, just spend time and loving on them because most of those kids don't have dads or positive male role models. Um, or if that's, you know, donating, there's a million different charities out there that can help support a kid that otherwise probably wouldn't get the necessary water or food for them that day. And so I guess I would just want to help spread awareness around that. And if, if people could figure out the best way for them to serve or them to help. If they're passionate about kids, if they might be passionate about something else, but I think giving back is you know really important, especially for people that have been been blessed.
1: You know you you mentioned a second ago about uh, a lot of these kids not having positive male role models. You know that's something obviously I'm passionate about. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And um, so you've seen kind of both sides of it. I mean, you said you know, you had very strong parents growing up, you had great coaches growing up, but I'm sure, like you said, you had teammates that didn't. What, what's the difference? How important do you think it is that, that young men have these really positive role models and mentors?
2: And I know, I know and I'm not just saying this because you're passionate about it, but I think it really makes all the difference. I said earlier, your accumulation of the people you spend your time with and, and you know, the, the books you're reading and the, the, the content that you're consuming. But the content you're consuming for a really long time is when you're young, and that's when you're a sponge and you're soaking up all this information around the world. And if you don't have about the world, I should say, if you don't have positive people in your life, and I think a lot of that stems from, especially if you are a male, a positive male role model in your in your life, then I think you can develop a lot of either wrong or misguided conceptions about the world and approaches in life in general. And unfortunately there's way too many kids growing up without dads in their life or whether they're absentees or whether it's just not a positive relationship. And, you know, I've seen guys in college that didn't have that and then they ended up Uh, in a bad situation. And the correlation there is just, is just too high. And they didn't have someone in their life that taught them right from wrong or what to do and what not to do and um, how they're spending their time and how they're treating people is a total reflection on the the people in their lives that didn't correct them. Right. And so I think it's more of a challenge to men in the community to, to, especially if you have kids or if you have You know, family members to be positive, uh, be a positive male role model in their life. And if you're doing that well, then I would encourage you to step out and help serve the community in other ways. It is so important for men to be
1: positive role models in the lives of children, for us to take the time and to step up to the challenge. We can see how important having these role models was to Jason in his life. I had interrupted him earlier and I wanted to get back to the other passions he has.
2: I'd say the the biggest one after that is really helping athletes transition. I've seen it so many times that the people that do it successfully, uh, and most of them do it far better than I do, but the people that do it successfully that take all the things they learn from athletics and they transfer it, they go on to have amazing careers. But unfortunately, so many people struggle, whether it's through an identity issue when they leave their sport or, you know, that whole transition. And I've just seen that happen to way too many people, especially in the NFL. That's probably, you know, most of the people that I know that really struggle to transition and find something that they're passionate about. Cause I think a lot of people in the NFL have a bad rep because, you know, the media only conveys one side of the story the guys that are pre donnas, the guys that get DUIs or assault charges. But honestly, most of the NFL have made up, made up of, great individuals that do work hard, are positive male role models. I mean, there's maybe one or two only bad apples in every locker. Most of the guys are great, but when they're that smart, they're great people. They're positive people, but they, they, they failed to transition. It's that's something that's always struck a chord with me as well. So helping them out, um, if I can, is something I'm also passionate about.
1: So when you're helping these athletes
2: transition, is it
1: from a how to find something they're passionate about that they can now turn into a business? How to be better at business, better at managing money? What is it you're working with them on?
2: I guess it normally depends. Uh, I was probably the annoying guy in the locker room when I would see guys spending ridiculous amounts of money on the most trivial or things that would not matter. And guys were bragging about how much money they spent at the club or on a new chain i was the guy that you know they probably didn't want to hear but i was in their ear chirping at them i just couldn't help myself but so i I think that's a part of it too and that's what everyone thinks of when they hear a guy went broke they're like oh well he spent all his money on dumb things which happens i'm not saying it doesn't but i think also so many guys get taken advantage of and you saw there's a lot of other things whether it's hey, they tried to do the right thing. They tried to make investments, but they invested in Uncle Rico's car wash that might have been a scam or might not have been. And so I, I think they just, uh, you know, I think a lot of them are trying to do the right things, but unfortunately just sometimes it doesn't work out. And so from a asset management perspective, but also finding something else they're passionate about, because I think those are two... Completely separate issues, but I try to help uh, with both if I can. This is a great example of men teaching,
1: leading and supporting other men, making sure we all succeed. It was inspiring to hear, and I wanted to know what ideas inspire him the
2: most. Oh man, that's a big question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, earbuds was one, because that was something that I jumped off a cliff for, which I think any entrepreneur has to do. I mean, I I think that's really the only answer I can give is uh, making a social music platform a reality and change the way people experience music. And we're, we're working on that every day to solve that problem.
1: A lot of what Jason and I talked about and the values he lived by mirrored our sacred seven core values, which are courage, honesty, integrity, commitment, duty, honor, and love. I had given him a copy of the list before our interview, and we talked about which ones were
2: important to him. I think integrity is one that I resonate with a lot. Um, In business, I think, unfortunately, less and less people have integrity and are willing to take shortcuts, and that even falls outside of business. I think we've talked about courage a lot with the whole startup mindset. Commitment also has a lot to do with startups, duty, honor and love. I mean, these are, if you have those as core values in our, in in your life, uh, I think you're definitely on the right track because it's so easy uh, when temptation hits to take a shortcut on any single one of those. Cause it's easy as a company, as a company, that was one of the first exercises we did as a company was like our name, our core values. But I don't think I went to a Bible study one time and they're like, well, why do companies have core values and people don't have core values? Like this, if you're going to say you're going to be about something, you have to, you have to live it every day. Like why wouldn't you name those as your core values? So we only picked three. I think all three of mine are on this list actually. Which ones were they? Integrity. uh, Actually the only one that's not, I put loyalty uh, and honesty.
1: Integrity is important in business, right? I mean, you can't do business with someone that you don't, believe is in integrity right because there's no trust there
2: a thousand percent and that's something you learn too you, you might hear of a great opportunity uh and you think uh, i'll even give you a couple i won't get too specific but you know, there's been times where wow this is an awesome opportunity this guy's kind of i don't know if i can trust him and every time you go down that route it, it never works out positive or rarely works out positive like now I, I want to surround myself with people that have these as core values or you know, that they, they do have integrity and they are going to do right uh, by me, even if they have the chance uh, not to. And so it, if I even have the slightest inclination, that that might not be true. I, I don't want to work with them.
1: Sure. No, I mean, that's, <clears throat> and I think that goes anywhere with anything in life, right? Whether it be relationships, you don't want to be in a personal relationship, even with someone who's not an in integrity, right?
2: A hundred percent. I mean, it, it goes, it, it crosses into personal and business. Um, you know, all of the above, like if you, I mean, you don't want to be in a relationship with someone that's not honest with you either, or not committed, not committed to you either. So, I mean, you know, it, it sounds corny almost, but it's not like, you know, like I think men, you don't, you don't want to talk about these things. It's like, all right, well, am I, am I being committed to my family, my wife, my, <laughs> um, you know, my business, my friends, or, or all of these above, but those are honestly questions you should ask yourself because I think you have to, st- that's why they're called core values. Like this is, this makes up, if it is, if you say it's your core value, it makes up who you are and in every situation. And you, so you should be able to look at someone's life and say, well, hold on. Like if you say you're this, why, why are you acting like that? And I think that people that set set those in stone and don't move them i think uh a lot is uh, taken care of after that you don't have to worry about making choices and what's going to be right, the right move because you just act act based on your core values
1: you have two big things in your life that required a lot of courage one is stepping on a football field right and then there's a different type of courage in stepping into entrepreneurship
2: yeah um you know with, with football that that was a lifelong dream And pursuing that, uh, and giving up a lot to pursue that, I think, you know, had courage and, you know, sacrificing a lot to, and, and to go against all, you know, all of the the things you run against down that journey, whether it's the trials of injuries, going through trades or free agencies and, you know, losses and bad games and just always, uh, stepping out on the football field there's definitely there's definitely uh, courage there but man um the entrepreneurship i think that's where that one really comes in play because man for a while there's a lot of self-doubt there's a lot of even external doubt that you know even uh, take take throw me out of the uh, example for a minute but I listen to one of my favorite podcasts is uh, how I built this. And you listen to all these amazing founders that have built companies from the ground up. You know, I've listened and it's industry agnostic. You can listen to restaurants or tech companies or clothing companies or, and one of my favorite ones was Airbnb. I think they pitched like 800 something VCs and got that many no's. (laughs) And look what Airbnb is today. And like, you don't think that took courage? Like entrepreneurship is a tough and you get told you're crazy and you get told that that'll never work. And you get told so many things. And if you don't have courage, then entrepreneurship is definitely not the right fit for you.
1: Yeah, I would think commitment goes right along with that too, right? I mean, 800 nos. you've got to stay committed to what you believe is going to be, you know, successful in order to keep going after all that.
2: Right. You know, and that's, that's the tricky part is you, you just have to make up a, uh, the decision in your mind. Are, are they right? Or are you right? And sometimes they're right. Like sometimes, you know, there's been a lot of successful companies that have pivoted, but if you, if you feel uh, passionate and you feel you have the data and you have the hunch and you have the, the validation, from any source that you're on the right track, you know, courage is the first part. But then, like you said, staying committed to that process is definitely one. It doesn't work uh, one without the other. Yeah. And I think the more successful
1: people have both, right. Mm -hmm. They have the courage and they stay committed in the face of anything.
2: Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you.
1: Staying on the subject of staying committed. I asked Jason about some of the biggest challenges he's faced and overcome
2: Besides the injury early in his career, oh man! Um, funny enough, they're both in, they're both uh, football related. So coming in, coming into the NFL was one of them. Uh, leaving the NFL was another. Tell me about that. I developed a condition in my heart, and I was told I couldn't play football again. I've actually had have had a couple heart surgeries, and which was really tough. And I thought it was going to make it easier because. Hey this is outside of my control it wasn't cuz i didn't work hard enough or didn't lift as much as i could or wasn't you know good enough as a player it was hey your body won't allow you to play football anymore and that was something that was really tough on me and really i really struggled with and i was going through a lot of life changes at the moment you know i left football got a second heart surgery you know a relationship just ended i was moving we had some you know, family, not situations, but some deaths in the family, uh, you know, some, you know, some of the, my grandparents and there was just one thing after another and dealing with so much. And that was, uh, that was a really tough time in my life. Uh, and I think it, the only thing I can say is it was, it was, uh, I was lucky to have my faith that was the biggest part of it. And then outside of that, you know, my, my family members, my brother, they were there for me. My, uh, I had uh, a great group of friends and, you know, in those situations I think it's okay to be vulnerable because I learned I, what the mistake I made too much in that one was I put it all on my shoulders. And then, but when I started to share that burden through my faith and through my family, it became easier. And then once, You know, once I started earbuds and started pouring all my energy and resources into that things, I quickly found, you know, all the the benefits and all the enjoyment I got out of football, I quickly found that again in earbuds. Having that support
1: system, no matter how strong you are, is so important for success. Faith, family, friends, somewhere to turn when things get difficult. I know for me, just knowing that that support system is in place, knowing who I can turn to for advice, just that alone can take the edge off when I'm going through challenges. I asked Jason what lessons he learned during the challenge of transitioning from football to earbuds.
2: I think a lot of people, when they go through these tough times in life, and they go through a down season. That's what they look at it as. But I think it's about your mindset of okay what can i learn from this what is if you're if you have a faith what is god trying to teach me right now cuz that's where real growth happens you're not going to learn anything if things are just smooth sailing you don't learn how to deal with the waves and the winds when you know you're just when you're just cruising down the middle and so look at it as an opportunity for growth look at it as an opportunity to learn something in that moment look at it as an opportunity that you're physically and mentally stronger for going through that. And I think if you can focus on it that way, instead of focusing on the negatives around, cause that's what human nature is. It's like, Oh man, this is going to happen now. This is going to happen. You lose your job. Oh, I lose my house. Now, you know, this puts pressure on the relationship or if you're married or whatever the situation is. And instead of, wow, Hey, listen, we made it through that. If we can make it through this, you know, we can make it through anything or, Hey, we made it through this rough season and we learned so much more around that of, uh, you know, or it might even be better prepared for the next time disaster strikes or anything like that. So I think always just looking for the positive in any situation and looking how to, what you can learn and adapt and grow from it is, it's much easier said than done, but I think it's the winning solution.
1: There is benefit to certain pressure, to going through challenges and facing difficulties, even if it doesn't seem that way at the time. And that benefit can also be just a lesson learned. Jason's football career ended early due to a medical condition. So I asked him what lessons he learned from that, from having something he loved and was so passionate about his whole life, taken away by something
2: out of his control. It was tough. It was tough for me because I can sit here saying that Oh, it was easy. I was looking for the positives. I was happy every day. And that's not, it's not the truth. Um, there was some tough days and it was a lot of constant reminder of trying to think that way because, but when you're in the situation, you're in the thick of it, it's, it's much harder. It's, it's much easier said than done, but coming out of both of those situations, like I'm different because I have a faith and I know that God put me in a position where he wanted me to be. And I have peace in that. And I know, you know, if I played another year, you know, he might have done that to save me from something worse than going on with my heart. Outside of that, you know, he, he, he wanted me to go through this to learn something. And maybe that helped, that's helped me with my business. You know, I'm at the place now with my business where, you know, I feel we're at the verge of really, you know, exploding. And, you know, I don't think we'd be here if, you know, if I played another year or two, because I'd be a year behind in that process. And so uh, I know he wants me to be right where I am today. And, you know, I have, I have peace at that. Yeah, I was feeling the same thing. I mean, as, as you were
1: talking about it, I was feeling like this was the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, you could have played a little bit more, but this is possibly bigger. And so I think the takeaway for me listening to your story is, you know, have faith in in the process if something happens that's against what you felt should have been take a look at the well where did this direct me to and where am i going and how much greater is this path than the one that i was on
2: yeah there's a uh, there's a garth brook brooks song about unanswered prayers and, and yeah, i'm a big garth brooks fan man so i know yeah if there's a uh, if I was in complete control of my life and I got everything I asked for, I'd be probably miles behind where we're on the trajectory we're at now. So sometimes, you know, there's divine intervention. And sometimes when certain doors close, uh, man, I could give you so many of my friends, like they thought they had this perfect job and they ended up not getting it. And they were in this down season for a long time. And and I kept telling, I was like, man, a year from now, you're not even going to remember this because you're going to have some better job. And it, that all that came true. And, you know, they're like, man, I can't believe I joke around with them now. I was like, yeah, remember when this used to happen or I have a buddy that, you know, was really struggling to make it in commercial real estate and now he makes more than anybody I know. And so he was really talking about quitting and doing all these, some of these other things. And I was like, man, like, you know, this is, this is just part of that journey. And and then you just have to go through it and learn. And it's just, that's, uh, that's, that's just part of the journey.
1: Again, the benefits of facing those challenges and difficulties and seeing success on the other side. Besides football and earbuds, I wanted to know what Jason considered his biggest
2: successes to be so far. The Miami Dolphins nominated me man of the year for most charitable person. That was something I really, um, and the person that, you know, helped out the community the most. And that was something that I was, I was uh, really proud of, and but outside of even those types of things is I'm happy with the and this is such a really corny answer, so uh, you and all your listeners forgive me, but I'm really just happy with the man I turned out to be, like even if you know if, if the NFL didn't work out, if earbuds doesn't work out, like I can sleep at night knowing the dis- the decisions I made and the people I am and how I try to leave a positive impact on the people I interact with on a daily basis. I would, I would rather me be that person and fall short in business or any other aspect of my life than just crush it and make a ton of money and have to live with not having those core values that we talked about earlier. And so when I look at myself, that's what I'm most proud of. Proud of who he is as a
1: man, regardless of money or fame, a man who is living his core values. That is a success we can all strive to achieve. After hearing that, I asked Jason for his favorite life lessons.
2: I think the easiest answer would be to go over and recap a lot of the things we talked about. But outside of that, I think, that, I think this podcast summarizes a lot of them. But I think the additional point that I'd like to make is that and so many times I've looked back at my life and be like, man, if, if I knew what I know now when I was 18 or when I was starting earbuds, or if I knew the knowledge about the NFL, about technique and strategies is when I was a rookie. Um, and I think that never stops. I'll probably say, it, you know, when I'm 40, I'll probably look back at my age now and be like, wow, did you not know what was going on? And, and so like, if you take that approach, I think is like, you don't know and that you should learn. And try to better your life and not, and I don't mean that as getting a better job and making more money. I'm just, you know, whether whatever you want to work on, if you want to be healthier, if you want to have a deeper relationship with your spouse or your family members, if you want to have a, um, if you're not happy at work and you want to improve that, like improve it. Like that's, I mean, I think mindset is everything. And if you, if you want to fix something, fix something like just, go for it, take for them, take, uh, uh, the approach that, you know, if, if, if you're not happy with a certain aspect of your life that you can change it and make up that mind. I think a lot of people just focus on complaining or focus on, and this is just the way it is. And I don't agree with that. I, I, if you don't like it, change it. That's a great, I think that's the best uh,
1: line there. If you don't like it, change it. Right. Right. A lot of fear in people are, you know, <clears throat> I wouldn't say fear. Fear could be part of it. You know, we talked about courage, but it could also be complacency, right? Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people, I hear this, you know, even in the people that I talk to on a daily basis, there's a lot of complacency where they're like, Oh, this is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Right? But you don't believe that.
2: I don't like, I mean, you can't name one example. I mean, there's, I'm not saying that there's things that don't happen in your life that you can't control. There's a lot of those things. Um people always talk about how they wish they had more time and they actually believe that, or whether it was more time or more energy or more resources, like, oh, I wish I had time to get up in the morning and work out, but I'm so busy, or I wish I had I wish I would spend more time reading, or I wish I'd spend uh more time, you know, uh learning about real estate, whatever it is. I mean you just you get people go in, I wish, I wish, I wish. There's no such thing as I wish. Like you're doing exactly what you want to spend your time doing. If you if you would you know, if you are that busy, you made a choice to do something this over that if you, if you wanted to work out, you made a decision to sleep over, to get up and work out. Like people, there's no such thing as I can't do something. And I wish I could, because you're making every decision, you know, subconsciously is the thing that's most important to you. And that reframed a lot of my thinking. Cause when I say, I wish I want to do something now, I evaluate how to, how to get it done.
1: And figuring out how to get it done is what Jason Fox has been doing his entire life. From finding the best training and practice to seeking out the best coaches and mentors to help him get where he wants to go faster. You know, talking to Jason inspired me to take a really hard look at my life and where I wished things would happen versus finding out what it takes and then to step up and actually get it done. And it made me wonder where I could be further along in my life if I'd followed his approach And, uh, you know, how much more I would have accomplished. So after talking to him, I made a decision to start looking for men who had experience in what I wanted to do and then to saddle up and contact them because that's been something I've resisted in my life. And I know it sounds strange, but I've always had this fear of contacting people, of texting them, calling them, emailing them, doesn't really matter. For some reason, it's always made me feel insecure, but it's a necessity. So I do it when I have to. Now I'm going to be looking to do it when I want to, when I know it's going to benefit me and my success. So I also got the men of the round table together to get their takeaways from what Jason said. And their experience was similar to mine. So joining me on this round table are John, Mark, Barry, Doug, and Tom. And Tom leads us off talking about something Jason said about surrounding yourself with the right people.
2: The thing that uh,
1: I think Jason spoke a lot about is who you surround yourself with,
0: you know, which is in, incredibly true. I, I think, you know, if he kind of focuses on his work with younger kids that, you know, maybe have growing up in an environment where they necessarily don't have choice, but beyond that, as you kind of get into your college years and and beyond, it is a choice of
1: who you want to surround yourself. And are you... Surrounding yourself with people who have a positive attitude, a positive outlook, and then that you really kind of
0: feed upon each other, you know, for a greater good as opposed to people who are always
1: negative. So that was a, I think, really, a really interesting perspective from him and and, and very aware. Here's Mark about Jason's commitment. As a coach, one of the key things that I work with
0: clients with is creating a vision for their life. When he was a young boy, he had that vision of playing in the NFL. I mean, he loved sports. And so with that vision, then he committed to it. You know, once he was committed to what he wanted to do, it's he didn't give up. And that is the value of having a real vision is that when you connect to your real vision,
1: you won't give up. This is Barry's take on the true meaning of accomplishments for men. Yeah, this is a guy who lived
0: a life that for many is just a dream.
1: I really got that from him. He was
0: a dolphin. He's created a business that's on its way to possibly being a million dollar business. Most people just dream of these things. Yet when you asked him what's your greatest accomplishment, he didn't say being an NFL football player. He didn't say I have a business. He said, my greatest accomplishments, the man I've become. And that really hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, am I being the man that I can be? Am I living those core values as much as I can? Am I serving my community and um, you know, making myself my greatest accomplishment?
1: This is John and I talking about integrating all the boxes we put ourselves in in life as I got done listening
0: to it, I felt more of like, wow, okay, where can I look at my whole life as me being like an entrepreneur for me? And how do I relate a lot of those things that being an entrepreneur is to my own life? And I I realized that I kind of put it in a box or, you know, put my business in a box and I have certain qualities that I have when I'm working on my business and when I'm doing things there, but it really relates to my whole life. And how do I kind of get that more into a whole uh, vision of myself as my own entrepreneur for me? And, it, and I've just been exploring that ever since I listened to it. And and I just feel like that's what I'm, I'm taking out of it is, is getting out of these little boxes. And like, you know, Jason had his NFL box. He has his entrepreneur box and he has these other things, but but it felt like he, he integrated them all very well and it was all just about being him. So that, that's what I'm taking away from it.
1: You know what I get from that too, John, is, you know, I lived my dream of being in the NFL. It was cut a little shorter than I thought it was. And okay, what's next? Right? It wasn't about, you know, being depressed or getting into victim mode or falling into, oh, well, shit, I lived for this my whole life and now I don't have it anymore. What am I going to do? Now it's, okay, great. I did that. That was very cool. I enjoyed that a lot. Now what's next? And so that was a really big thing for me was like just being okay with having to pivot into the next thing. And, um, and and then doing it willingly, openly, and, you know, with, with wonder and awe, going, okay, great, what's the next step? What am I going to do next? Just felt really very kind of natural. You know, there was no resist to it. It was like, all right, I'm going to move from this to this now.
0: Absolutely. I kind of percent, uh, 100% agree with that. And what you're saying there is just how do I integrate more of that flow? Like it feels like flow. Everything is all connected rather than putting all these boxes around it. It's all the same thing.
1: And finally, Doug and I on the impact of taking action.
0: I watch a lot of football. And I can't tell you how many times I'll be sitting there, they're showing pregame, and a guy will be warming up, and he'll be jamming, and he'll have his earplugs in. I say, I wonder what he's listening to. wonder what he's listening to. Well, here's a You're
1: guy. that into a million-dollar idea, Doug.
0: Instead of, instead of wondering what he's listening to, he says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to let you hear what he's listening to. I think it's great because... I really have thought about that many times. (laughs) So it's one of those simple ideas, but it'll end up doing really well.
1: (laughs) You know, what's interesting about that, what I got out of that, because I had the same kind of reaction. I do that all the time. Like, oh, that'd be interesting if, you know, X, Y, Z. And then someone actually does that, right? And then, you know, it turns into something really big. And I love when guys take the initiative, when they have that thought, like, yeah, we'd love to know what LeBron is listening to as he's warming up on the court before the thing. And someone says, well, I'm going to go ahead and make that happen. Yeah, right. That's the masculine right there. Just being that explorer, being that, you know, visionary, getting in there, being a pioneer and going, I'm just going to make that happen. And uh, that, that's really, I took that away as well, was, was very, very impressed by that. I want to thank the men of the round table and uh, I think the biggest takeaway for us is that your dreams are attainable with the right mindset and the right people around you and that the end of one dream doesn't mean it's all over for you. There's much more that we can accomplish in life. Now I want to know what you got out of Jason's story. Does it motivate you to go after your dreams to find out what it takes and to seek out the people who can help you achieve them and or does it inspire you to help other men achieve their goals? help guide them along the path, or help them make a transition from one career to another? Let me know. Remember, you can always find me on social media. The links are on our website, and that's wlkhpodcast.com. Just click on any of the social media links, find me, and leave a comment. Also, remember, when you're listening, rate us and leave a review or comment. And most importantly, this is why we're here. We want to share this with other men. So, Like I always say, think of three men you think would get a lot out of this episode and make sure to share it with them. Three men whose lives could change for the better because you sent them this episode. So please pass it on. I want to thank Jason Fox for joining us today, for being real, being honest, and for telling us the story of his journey to modern manhood. I'll have links to earbuds on the website so you can go check that out. I highly recommend downloading that app. It's phenomenal. It's at WLKHpodcast.com is where you can find it, or you can go to EarbudsMusic.com. And I want to thank you for listening to Eric Rogel Talks with Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes today. I'm Eric Rogel, and I'm honored to be with you to be your brother on your hero's journey. I'll talk to you next week.
0: Mad Magazine Advertising mascots B-movie posters And cartoons
2: Think behind the music for the stuff we love.
0: Check out our website at 2 com,
2: and listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.